What if everything you're searching for is already inside of you? Hi, I'm Cassandra Goodman, and I believe that true power comes from staying connected to who we really are at our core. This is a podcast about what it means to stay true to ourselves and why authentic leadership is such tricky business. You'll hear inspiring real life stories from big hearted leaders. I hope these stories help you to remember that true power comes from within. So today on True Power, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Tim Lowe, the Assistant Commissioner at the ATO. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Cassie. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be speaking with you today. So let's give a little bit of background for the listeners. So you describe yourself as a determined executive leader with a focus on creating a diverse and inclusive team culture and inspiring people from different generations to collaborate and achieve outstanding results. I love that. And in your role at the ATO, you own a strategy that enhances individual tax performance to collect over $150 billion in revenue for the Australian community. I mean, that that's just incredible. Uh, you've also regularly appeared on Breakfast TV, including uh, appearances on ABC News Breakfast, Sunrise and The Today Show, where you've provided insightful tax commentary and delivered memorable one-liners on hashtag tax. <laughs> so I'll have to ask you to share some of those one-liners in a moment, Tim. And we met on LinkedIn uh, after you re- reached out through a mutual connection, the lovely Jasmine Malky. And you have read and I I think enjoyed my second book, Being True, which is a real honour. So welcome, Tim. What else do you think is important to share about who you are and the wonderful work you do in the world? Thanks, Cassie. Thanks again for having me. Look, look, I think you summed up pretty well. Look, for me, uh, you know, it's all about the people for me. Uh, I love, you know, creating a sense of belonging in my teams. It's It's the number one thing for me. And making sure people were, you know, seen and valued uh, is such an important aspect because, you know, work is a sanctuary for a lot of people, um, not just, um, you know, in their home life as well. You know, work is a really integral part of who they are as a person. And, and I really love making sure that, you know, the people I work with, uh, you know, feel like they belong uh, at work as well. Mm, so important, right? Maybe we can talk later about, I'd love to hear your view on the link between authentic leadership and cultures of belonging, because I see a strong connection there. But maybe before we go there, give us one of these one-liners. What's a, what, what's a hashtag tax one-liner? I don't even know what oh, that look, would be. I, I think uh, one of the things that happened over the last few years is a lot of people worked at home as a result of COVID. Uh, and so uh, a lot of hosts were asking me questions about whether you could claim the pyjamas uh, as a tax deduction. <laughs> And I said, uh, look, you can't claim uh, the pajamas as a tax deduction because that's considered conventional clothing. But I did say there were two people who could potentially claim that, and that was B1 and B2 from Bananas and Pajamas. So that's <laughs> the one-liner that I'm, I'm, remember, I'm remembered for, uh, and uh, that's probably my legacy at the ATO uh, with that one-liner. So that's probably all I have <laughs> up my sleeve when it comes to tax and jokes. I love it. <laughs> I love that you bring this sense of playfulness to to tax. I think that's very refreshing and very needed. 
Thanks. Well, play play is, is a concept that's used in your book. So, look, it's something that I wanted to do, and um, you know, to make you know, make tax a little bit more uh fun to, to for people to understand, right? Because tax can be a really dry subject. So that was one of the ways for trying to make tax stick in people's minds. I love it. And I've done some work actually with the ATO, with your design team. Years ago, I helped your design team at the ATO um, with some leadership culture work. And I, I really, maybe I had some stereotypical ideas <laughs> about the ATO, but having worked with some of your leaders, you know, you are a culture that really embraces design thinking and playfulness and innovation and some incredible leaders. And I've had the privilege to know and work with at the ATO. It's, it's really great, the work that you're doing in the world. No, thanks, Cassie. Yeah, we've got some incredible leaders at the ATO and um, you're always looking to learn and, and develop as leaders and most importantly as people. Uh, and it's a never-ending journey, right, to to get better as both a person and as a leader. And that's something that we, we continue to really focus on. Mm. So I'm risking putting you on the spot here, Tim, but I would <laughs> love to hear your, your thinking around the role being authentic and bringing our whole selves to work, you know, permission to do that and, and leaders who have the courage to allow for that, you know, how that ties into the creation of cultures of belonging. Do you, do you see a link between those two things? Yeah, absolutely, Cassie. Obviously your book is called Being True and, and I think what kind of attracted me to the book is, you know, being true is like being yourself, right? And I think that's one thing that I've learned you know, across my career that uh, you really have to be yourself. Uh, there's no point trying to be someone else. And I've learned on so many occasions and I keep making the same mistake that, you know, when you try to be someone else, uh, you're not true to yourself. And that's when mistakes happens. And, and that's when you lose that authenticity about who you are as a person. And I think when you're authentic as a person, you really believe in what you're doing. It really shines through in your leadership. And that also creates not only that authenticity in yourself, but gives other people in your team um, the confidence uh, to be themselves uh, and and lead in the way that's you know most authentic to them. So it's really important that you know you be you be yourself, and and when you do that, I think that's when your team you know really thrives in that environment. Mm, I couldn't agree more, and I love that your honesty there about that you keep forgetting. And I, I think I'm I'm really very much the same. And for me, this idea of kind of honoring who we really are at our core is a practice of remembrance. Like, oh, there I get, go again, forgetting about like that voice in my head is maybe part of me, but not who I really am or these forces that push and pull me to sort of conform or fit in or toe the party line. That's not also congruent with my need to be honest and, for me, it the, my practice of self fidelity is really a practice of of remembering and then reconnecting back. So it's it's a continual course correction, if you like. Yeah, you make a really good point about that reconnecting piece, right? And and that's really such an important thing to kind of really focus on because if you don't reconnect, you can almost lose your way, right? And it's really important that you you create a whether it's a routine or some sort of ritual to make sure that you continuously do that. And that's when you can make sure that, like you said, in your words, you stay on course in, in terms mm. of what you're trying to. Yeah. I think it's a quote that from Ariana Huffington from her book thrive, that says we might be off course than we are more than we are on course, but the the key is just to keep course correcting back kind of tacking back to what's true and what feels congruent with, with our, you know, true nature, which which 
it's a continuous as you open to say it's a continuous practice right that it's not kind of a set and forget you know okay I'm now a fully authentic leader <laughs> um, that's one tick of my to-do list of my leadership bucket list tick that's right <laughs> no it's right and, and and always changes right because the environment and the ecosystem changes right whether it's you know the people in your team change and the personalities change or you know, there's a difference, you know, something happened in the external environment that changes the way your team operates. There's so many things that can change how you might be leading uh, as a as a leader. But, you know, making sure that you're authentic um, is it, just such an integral and core part of who, who you need to be as a leader and, and to thrive as a leader and for your team to thrive. Yeah, that link back to well-being and performance. You know, I spoke to a, I coached a leader once and she said, you know, Cassie, when I'm being true to myself, I feel like I can do anything. But when I'm not being true to myself, everything feels hard. That's it. And I think that's when I've, I've found that when I haven't done that, that's when, yeah, you feel you don't have that momentum and you, you feel like you're, I guess, running you're running in quicksand, so to speak. And and it's when, when you're not being authentic and, not having that self-compassion for yourself um, that makes it really difficult for you to, to lead in the way you, you need to be for your team. Mm. And it's something energetic. You know, I think you just sense when you're with a leader who's really kind of grounded and anchored who, who they are and, and have that sort of vibe. I've got nothing to prove to anyone because I know I'm enough. I know who I am and I know that's enough. It, you know, without sounding, at risk of sounding a bit woo-woo, um, there's a certain energy you get from those leaders, a groundedness, um, uh, it's a hard to even put into language, but but you can sense the leaders that have done that inner work to figure out who the heck they are um, and to to come to this place of clarity where um, that, that I'm going to work in a way that's congruent with that core. Yeah, that's spot on, Cassie. And I think your, your book talks a lot about that, that fact that you've got to do the work uh, in relation to yourself in order for you, that inner self, right, in order for you to... Mm you know, lead in, in the way that's true to yourself, right? So it's just really important that um, you, you reflect and, as you say before, re reconnect to what's important to you, but you need to make that time and space to allow yourself to to reflect. And that's why, you know, you're coming coming into the, you know, the holiday period, you know, this is a really fantastic time to to do the work to kind of understand yourself better. Right. Sometimes having this break away from the, from the daily hustle, mm. so to speak, gives us that little bit of a space to reassess uh, who am I now mm. in this context and who do I choose to be in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, really good point. This is a great time for that reflection and reconnection. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> So, Tim, I know you've listened to a few uh, of my episodes and you know the key question I love to ask people, which is this one. Tim, will you tell us about a time when you realised that you were not being true to yourself? Yeah, look, there's probably a few occasions, Cassie, uh, where I haven't been true to myself. But probably the most recent one was probably a few years ago when I took up the role as the tax time spokesperson for the ATO. It was a role that didn't expect to be doing uh, I've got a legal background that's my bread and butter but I really wanted to test myself uh in the public speakings you know arena so to speak and it was always been an Achilles heel since I was in primary school as a school captain I remember you know ha having to speak in front of the assembly and my parents couldn't hear me at the back of the assembly and they always uh I remember the criticism I got from them saying oh you didn't speak too you didn't speak loud enough and 
And I think from that, you know, that's always been an Achilles heel. And it's something that I've always wanted to rectify. So when the opportunity came up, you know, I thought, what the hell? You know, let's, let's give it a shot. And uh, when I first started doing it, um, they make you do a lot of uh, radio stations in the in the country just to kind of get your feet wet. And and I've obviously done a lot of research about uh, on the previous spokespeople who had, who had done the role. And they were super polished, super accomplished. And I was thinking to myself at the start of this, this journey, um, how was I going to get to that level? And I obviously started listening to a lot of their um, their recordings and their past interviews and, and started to try and mimic what they were doing and, and apply that to my interview process. And, and what came out of it was, you know, I was coming across as quite robotic in those first couple of interviews. And, and the reason for that was I was trying to be them. And I was trying to be like perfect and really professional in terms of the way they spoke, but I wasn't really being true to who I was. And I was a bit more, you know, rough and ready, you know, a little bit rough around the edges. And I really wanted to make sure that I went back to that and obviously still practice, you know, behind the scenes a lot to make sure I was getting the lines and the content that I needed to get to the, to the audience, which is the Australian community. Uh, but that was a time where I really realised that, you know, when I was trying to be someone else, I came across as being inauthentic and as a, I came across as a robot. So when I look back at those recordings, I think I sound really robotic. And, and the reason for that was I wasn't being true to myself and I wasn't being myself. So, yeah, that's an example of uh, a time where, yeah, I could have been my authentic self. Mm, I love that story, Tim. I love the vulnerability in in your honesty there because, you know, you come across like it would be hard to guess that you felt that that was your Achilles heel, public speaking, because you come across so confident, so polished. So I hope that listeners take heart like, oh, gosh, uh, even some of these people we hold in such high regard have their, their own inner process that they've worked through. And as you were sharing that story, I was admiring the courage that you showed and, you know, jumping at that opportunity despite having had that, as you described, your Achilles heel and <laughs> seeing it as a growth opportunity. And I'm wondering that that, that strategy you employed, well, I'm just going to see someone else who's done it well mm-hmm. and mimic their technique. It feels like, like a bridge into that unknown, perhaps scary kind of role. So it served its purpose. This mm. I'm going to mimic just to find the courage to do this thing that's out of my comfort zone. And then from there, take the next step towards a more authentic way of, of doing this role. Yeah, look, that's a really good way to sum it up, Cassie. I, I probably didn't appreciate that at the time. I was trying to work out, you know, how could I, you know, sound less like a, a robot. But I think over time, what I realized was. You know, I needed to come up with my own way to do this spokesperson role and I needed to sound it in a way that was really true to myself. And so what I really wanted to do was bring a bit of play, you know, into the role. And that's why, I, you know, I wanted to introduce some of these one-liners on tax, try and make it really relatable to the audience. And, and to do that, I needed to, you know, put the work in, right? But also had to be honest with myself that, you know, people might not like I might not be as polished as the people who have done the role previously but at least I was going to be more authentic to myself and then hopefully that would come across uh, to the audience when they when they heard me speaking on these interviews or when I was quoted on these newspapers or you know or on digital you know podcasts and all those kind of things so mm. yeah for me it was just really that realization of yeah that you know these I, 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 get, grab as much as you can from the people who've done the role before and who you admire 
for them put their own spin on things and really trying to make it your own and, and make the role your own over over time. Over time, right? Yeah, but do what we need to do to find the courage to take that initial step, you know, when it's scary. Because often, you know, I speak to a lot of people who might want to write a book or start a podcast or start public speaking, and it's so easy to kind of intellectualize and get caught up in our heads or even like launch a business. You know, you can spend 12 months designing the perfect product with the perfect landing page, the perfect email marketing sequence, <laughs> um, only to discover, oh, gosh, no one actually wants that product. Don't <laughs> to the drawing board. Um, so I think there's so much power in the doing, right, rather than the strategizing and the the almost the conceptual thinking about how might I, there's so much power in just doing that thing. Oh, I so agree. Like, you know, for me, it's always about, you know, the actions and, and taking even the smallest action towards this big goal that you might have is really the key uh, in, in achieving those goals, you know, and as you have those actions and you start to create those habits, so to speak, in relation to those actions, then you can start to strategize about how you might get there. And, and because of, you've got that momentum, it really helps. And I always kind of say one of the biggest issues is, you know, you know, that a little bit of fear uh, when you try something new. So I always kind of say, one, one thing I've learned over the journey is, you know, fear is the price of courage. Like it's really important to understand that, you know, there there is fear in, in doing something new, but, but recognize the fact that when you do that, take that action, as you say, said before, uh, you've, you've shown courage. And, and, and I think that's when you have that opportunity to reflect. We talked about that concept of reflecting and then reconnecting to your identity. You can start to see the change in yourself. And I think um, that happens with time, but it starts with action, as you said, uh, right at the outset. Mm, I love that fear is a price of courage. I've not heard that. I've heard fear is courage walking. I think like, I like fear is the price of courage because you know we're so conditioned that any sort of discomfort and fear mm. is not comfortable any sort of discomfort is has to be bad yeah. <laughs> we have to somehow stop the discomfort um and so kind of recognizing normalizing the fear when we do something new but not letting it stop us and mm. that it's okay to figure out, well, what is the smallest possible step or what is this, the safest step within this fear? So I love that strategy to start on country radio, to be able to listen to, to find a, a role model to kind of model, to start on country radio where the stakes are potentially a bit lower and then just to, to do it and then learn and then figure out your own unique voice and your unique way of combining, weaving playfulness into what is, you know, pretty serious subject of tax. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Cassie. And it, and, it, and it takes time. And I think sometimes as as people and the professionals, we put, put so much expectation on ourselves to be perfect immediately. And I think, you know, what, you know, what I, I think I realised over the time is that you can't be perfect. First of all, you can't be perfect because, you know, this is live TV or live radio as an example, you, you miss, you can miss say certain words, right? So that all of a sudden you're not going to be perfect. But the other thing is that it just takes time for you to grow and develop skills. Like if it, if it was so easy, everyone would you know be able to do it. And there'll be no one be fearful of anything, right? So it takes time, but it's just so important to realize that it, it's the action that counts. It's not what you say, but it's the action and the doing that that's going to get you to the to the next level. Right. 
And have you heard, Brene, she talks about FFTs in her business? Have you heard FFT? No, I haven't heard of that. What's that? <laughs> so so the first F is for freaking, I won't say the full, okay. the full F, freaking first time. FFT so she she uses this acronym in her business when when her business which is now growing to like quite a big organization Mm. Brene Brown's organization with many different arms and they this language when they're noticing as a team they're afraid or they're not sure they're like oh this is an FFT we've never done this before you know no wonder we're (laughs) feeling afraid no wonder we're not (laughs) sure what to do Uh, so it's kind of normalizing that the first time you do something it's really normal to be afraid and I love that kind of that this kind of labeling something like this is an FFT mm-hmm. I'm going to be afraid I'm not going to know I'm uh, but I have to just figure out how to move forward and certainly for me starting my podcast it was like that like I had no idea how to do a bloody podcast and when I listen <laughs> to the first few I'm like saying a lot of arms and I'm still trying to dial down the arms and I had this unfortunate um tendency to jump in and make all sorts of mm, mm, ah sounds and then I heard a podcasting expert says whatever you do on a podcast don't like try to do a voiceover when someone else is speaking you know ask a question then stop talking and let your guest speak I'm like oh okay that makes sense <laughs> I had to learn all of that from listening to podcasts about podcasting <laughs> but yeah I think what you've demonstrated there is that the importance and the power of feedback right and and reflecting on the episode so you know that's something i learned over time and it was a bit cringy right you know listening to how you speak and listening to the way you looking at how you look and and reviewing the footage and i think what you said about your podcast is exactly right like you've got to start somewhere right but the fact of the matter is that you're prepared to do the work to get better and improve and i think that's what it's all about it's taking the action yeah, having the, you know the the sentiment to 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 take feedback, whether it's good or bad, and then working on it, and it you know ever so slowly you, you know the arms will get you know will disappear, uh, and, and you have a much more polished podcast. But I've already listened to a few podcasts, and it's already sounding really polished already. So uh, you've got nothing to worry about, Kathy. Thanks, Tim. I feel like every episode it gets a bit better. And I found the rule with podcasting, people tell me, just got to keep putting episodes out there for about two years and then there's a slow burn. (laughs) You'll you'll gather some listeners. So that's my plan is just to keep on going and see where it takes me. But but I enjoy these conversations so much that it doesn't feel like work to be having chats like the one we're having today and to capture it and share it with the world. It's It's a real beautiful creative outlet for me. No, it's fantastic. And and like you said, right, a lot of these things take time, right? And and over time, I kind of think of all the podcasts I listen to. I'm still listening to episodes from four or five years ago um, and they still resonate uh, today. So uh, hopefully this one and, and the other ones you've got uh, resonate for, for others listening in the future. Thank you. I, I, I want to honour you and all the leaders that have come on the podcast to, to talk honestly about this tricky business of staying tutor ourselves you know I've had guests that whose whose friends have actively discouraged them from coming on saying you know no one wants to hear this stuff you know (laughs) everyone just want leaders to conform fit the mold it's very inconvenient when we start all being true to ourselves (laughs) it's going to be chaos and so I think it it takes a brave kind of leader to come on and to share some of the the truth of our inner experiences and um and our journeys towards authenticity, which are, which can be really tricky, and it's not a straight, simple path. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think it's really important for people to understand that it is a journey, you know. No one is perfect as a leader. Um, they just can't be. Uh, there's always something to learn and it's just really important that you, you, you put in the work uh, to get better as a leader and that's whether it's, you know, listening to your podcast, you know, reading self-development books or leadership books. But, you know, just the experience of leading people on a day-to-day -day basis to me is the best form of leadership because that's where you're learning on the job and you're never going to get it right. But as long as you're true to yourself, I think that's the key in, in really good leadership. And, and all the leaders that I've seen, you know, those who have you know, done the work on themselves, you know, like you said before, just really grounded and just really, yeah, just they feel yeah really supported in their own space that, you, you know, that, they're acting in, in a way that's really authentic to themselves. Mm. So perhaps maybe a, a last question, Tim, around finding the courage, like to take that first step mm. into something that feels unknown or scary. I imagine there might be people listening to, that might be thinking, oh, gosh, I would love to speak on radio. I'd love to start a podcast. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to even be more active on LinkedIn. I, you know, I meet lots of leaders who have too much fear around even writing an article on LinkedIn, as an example. Maybe talk us through some of your personal practices to manage that fear. You know, particularly that story you shared strikes me, that early memory of you as a school captain where your parents were critical of you not speaking loudly enough. Like those sorts of um, incidents can really cut deep, right, when, when it happens to us as little boys and girls. So, you know, you're, you even despite that, you are able to overcome that fear. So t what what are some of your practices or what insight can you give us in, into your inner realm that helps you to find that courage? Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is... Um... I think it's experience. So in the sense of experiencing things. So I found doing this spokesperson role has kind of opened my eyes into who I am as a person. So, you know, when you're younger, you sometimes have a, you take, I guess, an identity with you, you know, to, through adolescence and then through to uni. And if you're going to uni or college or TAFE and then into the workplace and you, you never kind of challenge yourself on, on what that is. And, and it, and because you don't challenge yourself, you know, what that is, you take that as your identity into your adulthood. And sometimes it takes an experience uh, to, to change some of that thinking and that identity that you've held since you're a child. And so even now, I'll, you know, coming into this podcast, I was, I was a little bit apprehensive about it um, because, you know, I don't do this, these kind of podcasts often, right? And it's almost like, you know, public speaking is like a, it's like a muscle if you don't, if you don't use it, you, you lose it. And so you know, even coming on today, I was a little bit nervous about what I might be saying and how the conversation would go. But I think it's really important to realise that, you know, over time and through experiences, you can't you can't revert back to what you thought you were as a child and, and that being the killing seal. So even now, sometimes I think, oh, I'm not good at public speaking. But that's actually, a, 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 that's false because I've done, you know, nearly 200 interviews on tax you know, on TV and radio. So you can't really say that to yourself. So even now as an adult, it's taken a lot longer time for me to, re you know, change some of that narrative around myself. But the only way you can do that is to to reflect on on, on what you have done. And that's why it's so important, you know, to, to write down goals, you know, to have really good habits around what you're trying to achieve 
and really focus on, you know, improving the processes that you have. It's much the same when you're doing your podcast, right, Cassie? You, you know, you've got, you, you reflect on it, you review the, the recording and you think, oh, what could I have done better there or what kind of question I could have asked, you know, the guest. But it's that self-reflection and that and, and working on yourself that that really makes a difference. And over time, you know, if we would have fast forward in two years' time, you know, you would have had hundreds, hundreds of episodes on. And you, you can't say then that you, you're not good at podcasting because you've done hundreds of episodes with hundreds of guests, right? So it's almost that identity change. And I think part of that is that power of reflection that we spoke about at the start of the podcast, right? Reflecting on what you've done. And acknowledging that, I think that's a bit that sometimes as people and as perfectionists and, you know, we're, we're our harshest judges, right? And so we've got to have a little bit of self-compassion compassion for ourselves and and, and, and be kind, kinder to ourselves. And I think when we do that, um, we can achieve a lot. And, and But it's really important to do that reflection and, yeah, be kind to yourself. Mm, that's so important, right, that that uh self-kindness you know I've I've coached lots of leaders who before coaching with me would say I'm a perfectionist Mm -hmm. and after coaching with me would say hopefully (laughs) there's part of me that feels like she or he needs to be perfect in order Mm -hmm. to be lovable Mm -hmm. or in order to be enough you know I've Mm -hmm. coached leaders who for example when they were little girls were teased really horribly by their older brothers Mm -hmm. and called Mm -hmm. stupid because they weren't Mm -hmm. particularly strong in maths and Mm -hmm. you know I've met 60 year old leaders who still carry that burden of that belief that I that um if I'm not perfect then um really I'm not enough I'm not you know Mm -hmm. that can go deep more deep of course and I'm not worthy of love and belonging and Mm -hmm. Um, learning how to take care of these younger parts of ourselves mm-hmm. while we do these hard things. For, for me, that has been an essential part of my practice, that little girl inside of me that feels like she needs to be a high-achieving, low-maintenance machine in order to be enough. You know, it's a daily practice of giving her the gold stars and saying, you know, you did good today, sweetheart. You, yeah. you know, that was a good chat with Tim. You did, you did yeah. good. Even though, no, you, that's did great. Like, you did, great. You did you well, did. sweetheart. <laughs> I saw you. you, you did a nice job with that. And that, that might be all she needs to hear. And mm-hmm. because often when we have these childhood experiences, we kind of, these parts of us get frozen in time back there and, we absorb these beliefs as true that, you know, I need to be perfect in order to be X, Y, and Z. So certainly anyone who's listening for whom stepping outside of their comfort zone feels absolutely terrifying. I suppose I'm trying to normalize that because this could be a five or seven year old part of you that, that is terrified of somehow not being enough of somehow not being lovable. And so this terror we can often feel, you know, part of it is, is normalizing that and then figuring out how can I reassure these parts of me and take care Mm. of them the same way we would take care of our sons or daughters so that I can step forward and try something new. No, I think you've summed up really well, Cassie, and it's just so important to to have that self-compassion for yourself and to reflect on, like you said, like some of these beliefs, you know, we hold since our childhood and to really be able to challenge that you've got to, you've got to reflect and, on the things that you're doing now and, and what you have achieved and, and, and be kinder to yourself. It's such yeah. so important and, and, and try less being a perfectionist, right? That's uh, half the battle for a lot of people is being perfectionist. Uh, 
and and trying yeah. to stop that is really important. Yeah, to, even to to your point about um, challenging our identity. You know, when we take on that identity, I am a perfectionist. I think that's such like a straitjacket for us. <laughs> I am a perfectionist. That's an identity in itself, right? Yeah, it feels right. so stifling because we're not robots. We're humans. <laughs> we're imperfect. We are perfectly imperfect. So, yes, uh, I hope that any perfectionists out there listening perhaps have picked up a few tips and some courage from you, Tim, about how might I take care of that part of myself who feels I need to be perfect, um, to see fear as the price we pay for being courageous and to step into things that are unknown, that that are out of our comfort zone and trust that, uh, there's lots of strategies we can you can employ to do that so that we can then move on and step further and further into our, our true authentic expression of our, our true unique essence. That's right, Cassie. And I think the thing to note is, you know, when it comes to the growth, um, that comes from doing hard things. You know, like you don't get growth when you're comfortable. And when you kind of reflect on the things that you've achieved throughout your life, it's when you are the most uncomfortable where you feel that you get the most growth. Uh, that happens, you know, when you're a kid, you know, when you're going to school and you're learning new, new subjects, it's like you doing your podcast. You you must, you're getting growth out of that because you're doing these podcasts, you're doing something different. You know, it's writing your second book, um, maybe writing your third book. You're going to, you know, you might do something different there and talk about something different there and that's going to have growth as well. So whatever venture that you're doing, um, there's growth when you're most uncomfortable. And that's why I always say to people, find ways in which you can be uncomfortable uh, because when you do find those ways, that's when you're going to get the growth in yourself. And that's when you reflect back on it, um, that's the times when you feel most you know, proud of what you've achieved. So true, Tim. And there's a beautiful quote that comes to mind from Margaret Wheatley that says something along the lines of, you know, we are not static clockwork machines. We flourish through growth. We're we're adaptive, resilient, growing systems um, that flourish through growth. And sometimes it's easy to forget that, right? Because often we operate in organisations that that are kind of machine-like or built off of the machine paradigm of work potentially. So, you know, keeping connected to our humanity and, and the fact that we're all growing, we're all changing, and that we fl- we can flourish through growth with the right self leadership practices, uh, the right skills, the right support systems around us, the right levels of self compassion and self kindness that that we can actually become anti fragile to use that language, and that growth can be good for us and change can be good for us. Yeah, I love that anti fragile um, quote. I think that's that's really correct. Like in the sense that. Yeah, you know, take that taking that kind of intention um, is is so important, to, and that's where yeah you get that growth in yourself, and yeah you feel really yeah whole in your person in your personality and, and authentic in your in your whole self as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for all that you shared. Any parting comments or anything else you'd like to offer up? We'll include a link, of course, of where to follow your your work on LinkedIn. But anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap things up? Yeah, look, for me, it's just yeah, do the hard thing. Uh, and the best way to do that is is to take those really tiny steps. And if it's if that tiny step is too too hard, take a tinier step. Uh, but do the hard thing and you'll see the growth um, come come into you and it will just help being you know, true to your, yourself as a person. And I think that's really 
what I'd like to leave uh, your listeners with. I love that. Take a tiny step. If that's too scary, take a tinier step. I saw that on your LinkedIn post. I love it. <laughs> Very good advice. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Cassie. Really appreciate the opportunity uh, to share a few pearls of wisdom. But yeah, really excited to see where your podcast goes. Me too, Tim. Let's see. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I look forward to continuing to follow your journey on LinkedIn and hopefully this won't be the last conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better and I really, really appreciate all that you so generously shared. Thanks, Kirsty. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tim. By being true to our deepest selves, we liberate our highest potential and serve the greatest good. As the founder of the Center for Self-Fidelity, I am on a mission to help leaders feel more authentically empowered so we can co-create workspaces where people can thrive, perform, play and belong. Learn more at selffidelity.com.